Thanks, Derek. Uh, my name is Stuart. I'm one of the key leaders here at Ebby Church. And I'm imagining you're sat with your cup of tea or coffee at home watching this morning. Today, um, we're going to look at a, a, new start, a new short series called Red Letters, looking at some of the words that Jesus said in the Gospels. And in some versions of the Bible, Jesus' words are written in red to highlight them. And my prayer this morning is these red letter words that we look at over this next series will turn around, will reorientate and slightly alter our direction of travel. Um, we've heard already today about Thy Kingdom Come, this opportunity for us all at the same time to be praying for an impact and influence introducing people to Jesus. And the red letters that Jesus says are not just words, but they are lived out statements. Um, so we're starting today um, by focusing on John 15 uh, verses 1 to 8, which we're going to read in a minute. Um, but I'll warn you first. So it may look like there's going to be some gardening references. Um, but I've got to say that's going to be low key today because my gardening skills are very, very close to zero. Um, hacking I can do, but pruning I can't do. I have no idea the difference between a weed and a flower, um, and I'm definitely not a vine person. Um, so there will be no deep um, kind of revelations about wine and vineyard analogies, um, because basically that's not me. But what I do want is for us to wrestle with some thoughts about relationships, about relating with Jesus, about being dependent and about cultivating a life of fruitfulness. So instead of me reading this um, passage this morning, I've got some lovely friends who are actually five and a half hours ahead of us. Um, and they totally inspire me what it means to remain in Jesus and see God's kingdom come in their context. So I'm going to hand over to Fryn and Dave who are going to give us our reading. Today's reading is taken from John chapter 15, verses 1 to 8. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while each branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me. As I also remain in you, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the, in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burnt. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Well, that was awesome to hear that. That was awesome to hear the bustle in the background. 
thank you very much for sharing. You guys embody what it means to remain in me and then to see God's kingdom come in your context. And the season we're in at the moment has unearthed a lot of stuff in us, a lot of emotions, reactions, thoughts. And to put simply, it has unsettled us all. It's rocked our foundations. It's unlocked stuff inside that we didn't even know was there, or maybe we hid it away. And as Christians, we are re-understanding what our relationship with God is based on. And if you're one of the, those people that are even looking in, observing what faith is about, then simply look at the red letters of Jesus and you will discover what relationship with him looks like and that will rock your world. Now in the chapters before, we read about, about Jesus, the disciples hanging out in around a table in an upper room, a place where Jesus reveals to the disciples about his journey to death. It includes some betrayal. It throws in a few other biggies about not leaving the disciples on their own, but a promise of the Holy Spirit. Basically, I imagine their heads as disciples and their hearts are full of confusion questions, but are hanging on to hope. Because Jesus has done so much on this journey that he's been with them. He's not going to do a big full stop. Surely he's not going to do that. And then we move into chapter 15. And they've left the room. They're walking towards the Garden of Gethsemane. Maybe they've passed a vineyard on the way. Maybe they've passed the temple with its golden vine decorations on the outside of the gate. When Jesus himself gives this final I am metaphor. You see right throughout um, the, this is the seventh and the last of these statements that Jesus says. He says, I am. Record, recorded here in the Gospel of John, when someone says I am, it reveals something about their identity, about the core of their being, about what's important to them and about them. So when Jesus says these I am statements, we should pay close attention. He's pulling back the curtain on his mind-blowing character. He's telling us something profoundly important, something we do not want to miss. No doubt if all those disciples had been at kind of full capacity and not confused by what was going on, they would have understood what Jesus was indicating by this statement saying, I am the true vine. Because the importance of the vine was something in the national psyche of Israel. At that time of Jesus, the vine had become for Israel something like the thistle is for Scotland, or the shamrock is for Ireland, or the rose is for England. It appears on their coins. A golden vine was even on the large gates of the temple. To grasp this significance, you need to delve deep into, uh, into Psalm 80. The Psalms are these poems, these songs, kind of like the hymn book of the Israelites. It was a psalm written that was clearly a heartfelt, desperate cry to God for help. The psalmist uses the powerful image of a vine. And he delves back into the history of Israel, explores his theme in order to touch the heart of God. 
there is something of a cry for restoration. And then we kind of come back to Jesus saying, I am the true vine. And as we've seen with other statements, Jesus is not introducing something new. It was familiar to all the listeners. This kind of centrality of vineyards continues to be part of Jewish life. It's saying that there is a comparison of Jesus' centrality in our lives. The vine, the vineyards, was central to Jewish life. Jesus being central to our lives. He is the centre of our faith, the faith, the source of our faith. The symbolism of the vine and the branches is similar to that of the head and the body. We have a living relationship with Jesus and we belong to him. Then cultivating the vineyards was also central to the life in Israel of the economy. So as a true vine, Jesus encourages us to live, remain and make your home in me. He invites us to have an active connection and relationship with himself. In the same way, a vineyard is able to produce quality fruits. It's cultivated. We too can produce fruit in our lives if we remain connected to Jesus. Galatians 5 verse 22-23, those glimpses of the fruits of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. We become more like him when we stay connected. We cultivate that within our lives. We continually reproduce the life of Jesus. That's our vision statement as a church. Something to live out individually and together. So Jesus said twice, I am the vine. First occasion it was about, in, in the, the first verse, was about our relationship with his father. And on the second occasion, it's our relationship with his disciples. And Jesus' relationship. It is Jesus um, is connected with his father. One of the main purposes of the vine metaphor here is to stress the importance of relationship between Jesus and his disciples and that their dependence is totally on him. And if we want to be that fruitfulness in our lives, then we need to have a relationship with Jesus, cultivate a closeness with him and be completely dependent on him. Jesus said in verse 5, right at the centre, apart from me, you can do nothing. So this is where the rubber hits rose, our identity in Jesus. I was reading uh, this blog this week and it says this. It was as if Jesus was telling each one of them, I know you're going to betray me. I know you're weak. I know you're going to deny me and run away. You're going to leave me alone in this garden that we're walking to to face this agony, but I'm telling you now, in me, you'll have peace. You're going to walk through very difficult things, personal shame, disappointment, disillusionment, and you're you're not going to understand everything. But remember, I have overcome. Remain in me, run to me. Now, I guess for me, for this lockdown has, has intensified 
some of those things. Disappointment, disillusionment, yet a call to remain in Jesus. It's painful but needed. My head, my heart, my actions seem at times to all be out of sync or even clash. Yet apart from Jesus, I can do nothing. What I love though, what I love is being surprised by God's grace. That undeserved favour towards me. That sometimes when I have nothing left to give, all I choose is to remain in him. He is present. I loved hearing somewhere recently that God just loves me to be present. It's not about fancy words, extravagant actions. It's just turning to face him, enjoying the embrace of the Father. Let's not pretend we completely understand where someone else is at. During this season, not even the closest to us. Some of us love being forced to reset. Some of us are reacting against that. Some of us have wrestled over the last few weeks to find rest and space and solitude. And some of us haven't. It looks different to each one of us. But to remain in Jesus starts from a place of relationship. And that also looks different to each one of us. In our early years following Jesus, he will put... He will instill lessons in us that he wants us to never forget. There are times when it felt like kind of more than just kind of chopping off a branch. It felt like a complete amputation going on rather than just a little bit of branch cutting or a little bit of pruning. God is always training us. And then throughout our lives, we repeatedly go through seasons where we're stripped back. In John 15, 2, it says Jesus promised that everyone who bears fruit would be high-fived. No, everyone would be rewarded. No, promoted. Everyone who bears fruit, no, would be pruned. In other words, there's more training to come. That we may be even more fruitful. During these seasons, God is getting us ready for the next season to be used by him. crunch point sometimes those seasons are long seasons and I'll be honest with you I've had long seasons where I felt like I'm wandering in a desert it's pretty awkward when you lead church and I haven't felt it I've had seasons where I'm bored I've had seasons where not a lot seems to go right I've had seasons where I'm struggling to carry the weight of responsibility. Whether it's real or perceived. I've been seen deep times of disappointment in myself. I know that many of you that are watching have experienced far deeper lows and far deep, higher highs than me. What gets me though through these times is clinging on or wrapped around or holding on to Jesus. It won't look the same to you 
but we need to do the same. Hold on to that relationship with Jesus. One of my weaknesses, as some of you know, that is I'm not always very good at being kind to myself. And I need to be kind to myself to say, I want to hold on to you, Jesus. I pursue a relationship with you. I will recognise it's okay not to be okay sometimes. But I pursue a relationship with you that keeps me remaining in you, Jesus. And then there's the overflow. Part of this journey of a relationship with Jesus is cultivating it. With Jesus, it's about preparation, about growth, about pruning. Where there is fruitfulness in our relationship is because we've been cultivating it and it starts to increase. What kind of things are we looking at individually or as church to cultivate in our relationship with Jesus? Here's a few I'll just throw out. Maybe it's cultivating a deeper prayer life. That's why we encourage people to get involved. Find that space in a 24-7 prayer week where everything is put aside to pray for, yeah, for your friends, for your family who don't know Jesus, even if it's just 15 minutes in this week coming up, in a few weeks' time. Maybe it's that kind of commitment. Maybe it's running a prayer course on your, with your small group or a gr- group of friends on Zoom. The world of Zoom. Ah. Maybe it's cultivating, maybe it's cultivating gratitude, gratefulness. You remember those prayer jars a few, oh, probably a year or two ago now. If you're around church, we'd encourage people to put those, yeah, I'm thankful to God that you've answered this small stuff in my life. I want to be reminded, I want to cultivate gratefulness. Maybe it's also cultivating Dare I say this phrase, it's cultivating God's heart for the last, the least, and the lost. I know some people don't like that phrase, but essentially it's cultivating his kingdom heart. Not because it's about projects, but it's about seeing one life changed at a time. As we cultivate relationship, we continually wanting to hang on and hang out with God, letting the pruning happen, even if it's painful, we will see fruitfulness increase. And then we will see an overflow. Then we will see an overflow. Finally, if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, And it will be done for you. There is also a dependence on Jesus and a connection with him. I was briefly chatting here in the office um, about dependency on Jesus that releases a kingdom fruitfulness. Otherwise, it's just my plans, my strategies, our plans, our strategies... 
unless he is present and we are dependent on him and we're connected with him, then fruitness, fruitfulness won't increase. But if we are dependent on Jesus and connected with him, there is fruitfulness and there is an overflow. John Wimber, who founded the Vineyard Church Movement, once said this, As a young Christian, I used to pray over and over again, O God, make me strong. Help me to resist temptation. God finally spoke to me one night, an impression in my mind. And he said, you're not going to become strong ever. That response caught me completely off guard because I believed that someday I was going to have myself together. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, John, just how strong do you want to become, seeing you can do nothing without me? The Lord gave me the verse, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. The Lord used that verse to tell me, you'll never be strong. I am to be strong. I am all the strength you need. That dependence is part of the relationship of intimacy that he desires with us. We need to be dependent on Jesus. So my prayer is that as we figure out who we are individually and together in this season, and it's time of, with a variety of kind of emotions and challenges, let's not deny that. Let's be real, saying to Jesus that we want to pursue a relationship with you. And if, if you're watching this and actually you're thinking, I want to do that for the first time, then I want to encourage you. That would be the best step you'll ever make. It's not the easiest step, but it will be the best step. Simply saying yes to Jesus in response to God's love for us. We'll have a moment to pray about that in a minute. Pursue relationship with him. Take some space today to mull over or wrestle what you are cultivating in your life. And how do you get back to total dependence and connection with him? Jesus says, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Our identity is in him. Before we want to worship Jesus, the word that I felt kept resonating was to overflow. And I want to just give us a moment just to say, God, as I pursue relationship, as I pursue dependence, as I cultivate your good stuff in my life, I want to see an overflow into a world that desperately needs you.